Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we're discussing the top 10 movies of 2020. Now these are the list of movies that I have seen all last year. Um, uh, a couple of the movies uh, uh, bled over into the 2021 calendar, but all of these movies were generally released in 2020, and I wanted to... Um, you know, really cover it in a way that could round up the year for people that have not seen some of these movies. Um, we can go back and revisit some of them. Now, remember, take this as a grain of salt because um, take what I say with a grain of salt because I may not have seen some of the the quote unquote best movies out there um, that had happened in twenty that were released in twenty twenty. So um, these are just the movies that I have seen this year. Okay, so uh, number 10, Bad Boys for Life. As a matter of fact, when I first recorded this, Bad Boys for Life did not make my number 10, 10th um, movie on the list. I had put a 2019 movie on the list, and it was uh, knocked Bad Boys off. But I actually enjoyed Bad Boys for Life, the third uh, movie in the franchise. I don't know why they put four when it was going to be a three. Bad Boys for Life. That just sounds like it needs to be four. But it's the third movie in the trilogy. I thought, um, regardless of having some of the um, campiness and ridiculousness of the franchise, I still thought it worked relatively well for kind of how low of expectations I had for it. We didn't have Michael Bay coming back. There was a lot of things that were happening surrounding Bad Boys. You know, was it happening? Was it not? And then they released it in January. It's just like this movie felt like it probably should have came out in the summer and in, in the way that it was kind of marketed and stuff, but I think it was pushed back to a January release. So I had kind of low expectations going into it, and I actually had a decent time watching it. I enjoy these actors still. Um so we also have uh, number nine, The Hunt. The Hunt was one of the last movies that were played in theaters, if it even did get into theaters, before the pandemic had happened. It was around March when that really was set um, set in stone in, um, in the uh, States. But The Hunt was kind of like the most dangerous game, a campy most dangerous game with a little bit of a comedy, but it was so unpredictable that I really just enjoyed the hell out of my time um, watching The Hunt. Um, a lot of great actors, it, they seemed to all be having fun. The unpredictability about it just was like, oh my gosh, I was, uh, I love not being able to guess where the, uh, where, you know, where the ride's going to end, but I ultimately really enjoyed my time. Um, so we also have, for number eight, Project Power, Dominique Fishback, Jamie Foxx, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It was a trifecta of actors that I think really brought a decent uh, B script to the forefront. I think all of these people are going, um, uh, all of these actors are really putting their uh, best foot forward and trying to sell a B action movie on Netflix, and I didn't really have anything negative to say when it came down to the overarching movie. It's like when we were in the pandemic, we were just itching and scratching for anything um, movie related because there was like such a, a lull in the period of everything being released. Um, so I was, I, it could have been the fact that I wasn't exactly um, uh, that I, I, I I didn't have my appetite filled with all of these uh, movies and 
things like that. Like not having movies has made the the uh, quote unquote lower movies or not so great movies, the B tier movies, seem a little bit better, which could be the case. But I enjoyed my time in this to the point where I would recommend it, and that's why it's on my recommended list. Um, twenty twenty. Uh, number seven. This is a movie I have not released. Um released a review about and I wanted to kind of go above and beyond with this review and that's why it's kind of taking me a little bit longer but there aren't many movies that you have to categorize as an experience but I will say there's maybe one or two movies per year that are normally an experience generally Christopher Nolan delivers an experience of a movie now this is uh, the sound sound of metal um, with Riz Ahmed, and this is one of those movies that is going to make you look at your life completely different. And it's also one of the uh, movies that are um, <clears throat> directed by Darius Martyr, and it is um, it was featured in a festival, I believe, in 2019, and then released. Um, full-fledged to the uh, to U.S. Um, or to the States a year later. So it's kind of one of those wonky movies where it's like we, they featured it in 2019 in a, a, a festival and then they re-released or they did a full wide release almost a year later. So it's kind of a 2019, 2020, uh, you know, it wasn't public for a year so kind of depends on what you want to categorize this but anyways the sound of metal it's about a heavy metal drummer's life is uh thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing and it's one of these movies that is an absolute experience now when i say it's an experience there's one thing to watch a movie there's another thing to feel a movie and i felt like i felt this movie um riz ahmed sells this movie um, to a T, the actor, the, the, the supporting cast is amazing in it. Um, it really engrosses you into this character in, in the world of like heavy metal. And what if a heavy metal drummer is all of a sudden told, um, you know, you can't do your job anymore. You are going to lose your hearing if you continue to heavy metal rock out rock you know to rock you you can't rock anymore and so this is his only source of income this is the only thing he's ever known to do and he's you know just having to sit there with the knowledge of you know his fucking hearings uh, is leaving and i can't even think about what i would be doing from the standpoint of having to go through this but it feels a lot like if I went through this I, I would be doing the exact same thing with you know give or take some of the actions he has but it is uh it's heartbreaking it's uh a little bit difficult to watch here and there but it almost feels like uh a you know a story that is uh, like what is it called like a folk story or something like that that it, it, it's a warning to you know not indulge into too much and otherwise um, you might get exactly what you wanted for you you might get exactly what you want and it might not be what you needed at all so um, the sound of metal I feel like almost should be mandatory um, to watch I feel like this should have been mandatory to watch in school to be honest just to kind of 
understand the day-to-day um, lifestyle of what would happen if this, if you were going through this, or if there was someone that was going through this. Um, so yes, um, let me go to the next movie that I saw was One Night in Miami. At an hour and fifty-four minutes, this movie is taking place all in one night, essentially. Um, February 25th, Miami, Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, joins Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X as they discuss the responsibility of being successful black men during the civil rights movement. Now, this was Regina King's, I think this was her um, directorial debut, if not... uh, one of the biggest things she's ever done. I can't remember if this is her directorial debut or not, but um, I know this is one of the biggest projects that she has ever um, directed. I think she's done some... uh, Yeah, this is her first feature. So um, I really enjoyed One Night in Miami just from this perspective of having um, different ideals from successful people of color come together and kind of have a powwow. I don't really know how much better to say than um, the fact that they have four men directed by uh, a woman of color, screenplay screenplay by Kemp Powers, who is a, uh, another writer of color. And uh, is this Tam- Tammy Riker? Is Tammy Riker? She's white, but anyways, I was gonna say, damn, they have three for three. Everybody's a, a, a everybody is a person of color, but Tammy Riker was great as well. She's the cinematographer. So, anyways, One Night Ma- Miami is uh, a script by Kemp Powers, the guy that did um, that wrote Soul and or co-wrote Soul. He was really heavily involved and co-directed um, actually a little bit. And so, Kemp Powers has his hands all over this. He wrote the screenplay and. I enjoyed the hell out of One Night in Miami. Now it's now it's like, well, wh- what makes this movie top ten worthy? Well, besides the fact that it has something to say and it's talking about very important topics when it comes to civil rights issues, not only things that were happening in the '60s, but I mean, everyone has talked about how One Night in Miami feels like this could be talked about today. It feels almost as relevant today as it did 50, 60 years ago. So. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, the relevance is what really is, is key to this, especially with the, the political age that we're in right now. So we have the next movie, uh, before I finish One Night Miami, I really enjoy the direction. I love the actors. I want to hang out with these guys more, you know, when I was, when it was over, I was just like, damn, I can't wait for the next episode, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is a television show, or this is a movie. <laughs> um, so, Tenant. All right, let me see. If you don't want to hear a, a quick synopsis for Tenant, uh, just skip 30 seconds real quick. Here we go. A secret agent is given a single word, word as his weapon and sent to prevent the onset of World War III. He must travel through time and bend the laws of nature in order to be successful in his mission. Um, Tenet was 
the experience directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Denzel Washington's son, John David Washington, and future Batman star Robert Pattinson, as well as Elizabeth Debicki. Now, I really enjoyed Tenet. Now, I didn't love it like the rest of uh, Christopher Nolan's other things. I, I, I think I love the majority of his work, and I could not say I love this film. Now, the main reason I couldn't love this film, but I still put it on the top ten. You're like, okay, so um, there's a little bit of a clash of ideals right there. But um, to be honest, it feels like these characters aren't fleshed out enough for me to really latch uh, you know, put my talons into this uh, film and really care about the characters to that extent. Now, I did enjoy the performances of everyone. I just feel like the writing is what really um, lets this movie down. Now, with saying the things that I wasn't too crazy about, at two hour, two and a half hours, I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed probably the majority of it with strictly the spectacle. Now, we all know how. Christopher Nolan, if you are uh, a Nolan head or a Nolanite or whatever the hell they call it, you know, I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan because I like the majority of things he produces. Now, he got in a little hot water with trying to push Tenet out during COVID times, and it didn't really, I didn't understand what the ramifications were until, um, you know, I really listened to some podcasts and what people were having to go through. It's like, you know what, maybe maybe pushing your movie out and saying that's the best way to watch it during a pandemic and possibly threaten, you know, having life-threatening things happen to you was not the best thing to do. You know, Warner Brothers was trying to be appeasing by it, but it's just like you can only do so much. And it for me to go watch a movie be in, a, in the middle of a pandemic just sounds kind of insane. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be in big, heavy set pop heavy populated places like a movie theater even if you're social distancing um you know in this in this climate i I don't care how good the movie is it's just not worth at this point i don't know why you uh push that upon us so it already had some um some ill will coming out toward it and then on top of it being such a uh, a niche of a property of a James Bond film, or you know, it feels like uh, James Bond in a way, but it's, it's so much more of a, a thinker in a way. It kind of left people a little bit cold and s not sour on it, but just cold on it. It's not like, oh yeah, you got to go see this shit now because we're already past the uh, the theater date. And it should be out on pretty much all platforms and everything. Although I am seeing it, it's available um, not too far from me. Um, I would say that, yeah, go ahead and rent it. Go ahead and watch it. I don't think that it's going to be a waste of time because I think strictly the spectacle is worth putting it on top 10. I mean, there was uh, it, it already has gone above One Night in Miami, not because of the script, but just because of the sheer spectacle of how big and base, how, how epic and grand in scale it feels, but also the impossibilities about it. The thing I always like about film is, uh, you know, the fact that you can bring uh, Muhammad Ali, Cash, uh, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown all in a uh, all in a movie and make it feel uh, plausible. You know, the fact is that you can do things 
that are impossible in in movies that you can't do in real life. That's that's quite obvious. Like having all of those men have a conversation and us get to witness it. Uh, now, whether it's having those impossible conversations or having impossible action scenes, I think they both deserve to be on the list. And so that's why I have uh, Tenet as, what is this, number five? Yeah, I think number five. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, yeah, number six uh, on the list. Or 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Yeah, sorry, number five. I can't count. <laughs> okay, so... Um, <clears throat> that is Tenet. And if I didn't say enough good things about it, let's just say um, totally worth the time, strictly for the spectacle. Okay, so um, what do we have right here? Possessor. Okay, so I had heard a lot of things about Possessor, um, given that it is uh, the Cronenbergs. It's the Cronenberg son, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, if you don't know what a Cronenberg is, he was a... Uh, the original director, David Cronenberg, has uh, notorious movies such as uh, Scanners, The Fly, Crash, Videodrome. I actually didn't hear, I haven't heard a couple of those. But anyways, he's known for uh, body horror and stuff like that. You know, just ridiculous amounts of, uh, I think it's uh, practical effects that really bring his visuals to life now i have not seen the fly i've only heard things about it and seen maybe just some slight pictures but um given his reputation i would i had to see what his son could do um so his son brandon cronenberg is bringing a lot of what his father seems to have brought um to the table now it's suspense now i i haven't seen tons of uh tons of the Cronenberg's, uh, David Cronenberg stuff. So I don't exactly know everything that he's bringing to the table, but with saying that he has, uh, a certain eye for horror, suspense, that type, you know, transforming kind of thing. His son certainly has that kind of, uh, aesthetic eye towards, uh, film. Now, Possessor 2020 was a movie that I saw a few weeks ago, um, I saw it alongside when I was watching uh, Palm Springs and Sound of Metal. Um, Brandon Cronenberg, um, uh, let me let, uh, let me give you a quick synopsis of this. If you don't want to know anything about Possessor, just can continue on listening. Just kind of do like a 30-second skip. Um, I enjoyed not knowing anything about Possessor going on. Um, just know that it's it's pretty violent. It's really suspenseful. It's stylistic as hell. I love this, uh, the cinematography in this. And uh, it's one of those movies that feel like an experience again. Now, um, I, I talk about movies feeling like an experience. This is one of those movies. Possessor feels like if uh, uh, you had, let me see. I want to say like, I always like to say Christopher Nolan because there's really dynamic camera shots. You know, the cinematography and Nolan stuff is just really amazing to watch. I feel like it's a splash of like Alex Garland's like Ex Machina meets Nolan's uh, kind of coldness aesthetic. Plus you have, um, I don't know, just like some 
like horror that I can't really describe at this point. Not not like Robert Edgar's horror, but it's a it, almost like Black Mirror ish horror. Um, so, anyways, here it is. Brandon Cronenberg uh, directs Possessor. Tasa Voss, an elite corporate assassin, takes control of other people's bodies using brain implant technology to execute high-profile targets. Now, I I thought this was just absolutely fascinating when it came down to the concept of it. The concept's sort of like a mixture of like a uh, fucked-up inception kind of thing, you know, making people do other you know things they don't want to do um but the movie also takes a very uh psychological stance with it with uh the the horror of um you know what if somebody could take over somebody else's body what would that somebody do you know what are the the ramifications of it kind of thing and uh honestly i thought this was one of the most amazing movies of the year it's number three on my list sorry number four on my list um strictly because of the visuals it's got an excellent blend of really nasty violence that i would say doesn't suit it's not for everybody if you can't handle the game of thrones if you can't handle the walking dead if like there's some pretty horrific things on television and i think that this is you know skating on the edge of um, you know, a little bit of torture porn, just like, it's like, man, you didn't have to do that, man. Come on, man. <laughs> it's like, so I will say that it is, um, disturbing in a way, but it's nothing worse than I think you would see in, um, you know, a game of Thrones or, um, walking dead. That's kind of my threshold a little bit. There's, there's like one more threshold I think of when I think of like torture porn type, uh, cinema. And it's like, uh, what is it? Tomahawk. I think that was a movie I watched a few years ago. That was kind of a fucked up movie at the end. And, uh, you know, it's not like possessor is not taking full glory into like the kills, but there's a couple scenes where it seems like they're enjoying it a little bit extra much. The, the camera's rolling a little extra longer than I personally would have had it going. And, uh, it is dark in some scenes and the ending is going to be not for everybody. There's a reason that this is 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, 72% on Metacritic and 6.5 on IMDb, because I think people are going to see the name Cronenberg and associate it with, you know, the fly David, uh, Cronenberg and everything like that. Um, yeah. And you can watch this now on Hulu actually. Um, with the premium subscription. So, yeah, I um, I enjoyed this a lot, mostly because I think this the style in it is just, uh, can, it's just dripping with uh, style. It, it's horror, but it's style. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe. Um, Kareem Hussan is the uh, cinematographer in that. So, yeah, that's Possessor. I know I've talked about it for a long time. Just the, the sound design and the experience of Possessor, I was just like, I don't know what to expect. This is intense, and it's really well executed for, obviously, a Cronenberg movie. Um, I'm trying to see if this guy has a wiki page with anything else that he's done. Um, career. Uh, I don't think he's had anything really big. Let me see. Okay, see, Antiviral was a scientific horror film um, directed by him. Um, let me see. 
Yeah, so this is like his second movie, from what I can tell. The rest of uh, the Cronenbergs, uh, Dave uh, Brandon Cronenbergs have stuff has been shorts, which um, I really enjoyed this for his second uh, debut. I was just like, my God, this guy is really good. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing things that he comes up with next. Um, so the second to last, or third, the third movie in the 2027, sorry, 2027, what the hell year is it? <laughs> 2020 favorite movies is The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man was uh, directed by Lee Wanell, and I had a lot of high praises to say about um, director Lee Wanell. It's uh, his screenplay as well. Um, it was just an excellent movie that was pretty highly based about abuse, spousal abuse, uh, um, gaslighting. There's there's tons of themes that are happening throughout this movie, as well as it's not only do you get the inside scoop of what's going on through, uh, what is her name? Um, the inside scoop of, uh, where the hell is Elizabeth Moss character as Cecilia Cass, Cass. Um, but we, we understand the ramifications in this movie, even though there's an invisible abusive boyfriend, we still understand that um, there's an element to it of people not believing her. And that's something that really sticks, regardless if there's an invisible man or not. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the invisible man has a lot to say. Go back on the review, and I'll, uh, I'll I kind of explain a little bit more. It's been a while since I've actually seen it. Um, let me see. It's almost been uh, eleven months now. So, um, and it seems to be playing on HBO Max now. So you can check that out. Uh, what do we have? Number two, the number two twenty twenty favorite movie on my list. Now, this is a movie that I think. Most people did not see, um, mostly because it didn't get that much. Uh, it did not get that much uh, critical buzz. I guess. I guess it was just very. Uh, I don't know. Kind of went under the radar a little bit. Went went under under the the water a little bit. Um, but I will say, the. Uh, my octopus teacher is is one of the most understated documentaries of 2020 and maybe one of the most understated documentaries of the past 5 years i got to say my octopus teacher on netflix um is essentially a disney movie in real life it's a down-and-out teacher decides he needs to jump in the coldest water in the South African Ocean, um, the South African kelp forest to be specific. It's cold as hell. The dude is depressed out of his mind just from being down and out. I guess uh, it's, I don't remember if it's very clear about why he's depressed. But he's depressed and he needs to do something with his life. And so he decides to go uh, 
free diving, I believe is what it's called, um, in super cold water. Um, I think it's, I think they says near Cape Town. Um, so it's a, a place he goes daily and he decides that he's just going to continuously return. And when he's returning, he has met an octopus. Now you're like, met an octopus? What did the octopus come up and say, what's up? Not exactly, but um, my octopus teacher is about this down and out guy befriending this octopus. And this octopus has more of a personality than, I mean, half the people on my favorite lists. Uh, like this octopus, I was thinking about actively after I watched this documentary. This octopus is, in a way, it really is a teacher to help people understand and explain that, you know, there's a world out there way vastly beyond of our understanding and um, comprehension. Um, it really, well, it, it's hard to explain, but like I said with experiences on this podcast, um, I really felt like I went through an experience, a, a euphoric experience watching my octopus teacher. Let me know if you watch this and it's uh, some sort of, uh, you know, an experience for you as well. If you could watch it with your folks, then definitely do it. It's a great, it's a great uh, documentary to watch with somebody, especially family. I feel like it's one of these uh, uh, documentaries that really put a, a reflection up to, you know, society and who we are and how we can be better to be honest um you know to nature and to one each other so um my octopus teacher i really liked it i, I let me see 85 minutes yeah barely barely any time to it yeah and I can't say enough good things about the octopus. I mean, I was actively thinking about the octopus after I was watching this. I was like, my goodness. And so, yeah, yeah cuddle up with whoever and watch my octopus uh, teacher. So, my number one movie of last year. Let me pull it up real quick. Would you believe that some people complain when I type on, um, type on the computer? It's like, what the hell do you want me to do? Trying to pull up the shit. Um, okay, so. My number one movie of 2020. My number one movie of 2020 is Hamilton. Hamilton, an American musical by Lynn manuel Miranda. Um, so if you haven't heard about Hamilton... You should absolutely know it by now. It's a, it's, it's a musical of the Founding Fathers that is completely played by people of color. So it's completely revolutionary, I know. Now now you're like, oh, shit. No. Um, wasn't there... Uh, what was it? Uh, let me see. What was Orson Welles had had done something similar to what Lin-Manuel Miranda had done. I think he had cast like an all... Shakespearean play starring um, only people of color and like back in the 30s or something like that. So this has been actually done before. 
and I, I wouldn't say it was to this degree of the founding fathers, but, you know, recasting with uh, a more traditional non-white actors and in, in historical white roles um, is completely, um, it's, it, it changes the shift and the dynamic of what you're watching. And um, I put Hamilton as number one. I know that there are some, um, there can be some, from, you know, uh, kind of just having an all out, this is this is the founding father's story and there's nothing bad happening at that time. Um, you know, that can obviously go south. But with just talking about strictly about the story, the music, the way that it makes you feel, the way that it carries you along this, I think it was like a three hour musical or something. I, I, I don't have the time in front of me. Um but uh, maybe two and a half hours. But I honestly could not say enough good things about um, the actual production. I will say the way the movie is shot is, um, I think they said they sh they shot it over three different uh, times. It was, you know, they shot it with the audience, they shot it without the audience, then they shot it with um, having the camera on stage. So there are a few things about the 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 play i guess that are unique to the way that you're watching it on screen because some people would say well this is a play on video it's not exactly a, a movie now i think that they tried their best to kind of blend both of the two together in a way i don't know how much more they would have done if they would have had a full uh budget for the if they weren't shooting a musical. Now, I didn't have a problem watching the musical. I, I kind of enjoyed watching the stage play from the comfort of my own home, even though we didn't really have a choice. You know, Some people saw Hamilton and paid $5,000 for a seat. Now, I didn't want to pay for that. <laughs> I didn't want to have to do that, although it would, after watching it, it's like I can see why they paid that. Um, but yeah, Hamilton, it's... Uh, it's not revolutionary, but the way that it's executed is like almost basically 10 out of 10. And that's why it's my number one movie of 2020. I, I can't say enough good things when it comes to uh, the way that it made me feel. I wanted to re-listen to the music. I wanted to go back and hang out with these characters. Um, you know, you laugh, you cry, it goes through all the emotions of, um, of you know, traditional storytelling. And having it on the play, I was just like, my goodness, it, it, it shows me that I don't need to have a full production to have a decent movie. That's, that's essentially what it's uh, taught me. I mean, they have a very minimalist production on, uh, on screen, and I felt like, for the most part, it didn't bother me at all. So, yeah, that's my number one movie of... 2020. Thank you for listening, watching Lucky Dog Podcast. Let me know how I can improve on the podcast. Let me know if there's any movies that I should have watched and I, I missed, just absolutely uh, couldn't get. There was, a, I do have a list of movies that I watched uh, that didn't, that were just kicked off right at the end of, uh, what is it called? Uh, the top 10. There, let me see. Movies that didn't really make it on were um, right from the top to the bottom. 
Palm Springs, Extraction, Mulan, Birds of Prey, Hubie Halloween, Wonder Woman 1984, Thinking of Ending Things, Mank, Sonic, Scoob, 365 Days. And yeah, I absolutely was not a fan of 365 Days. <laughs> um, you can go back to the review to uh, confirm that, but that was not happening in my book. But yeah, so anyways, let me know what you thought about the, the films of 2020. Um, I have some indie movies, I have some blockbusters, and I have some... Uh, documentaries in between hopefully all of it is a nice little blend for if you haven't seen any of these I would absolutely recommend all of those with you know the caveats of making sure that you're ready for horror if you're watching Possessor or if you are ready to watch um, you know an ex feel and experience like Sound of Metal and um, there's just a lot to choose from from this list so thank you for listening watching Lucky Doll Podcast be sure to check out patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get all the podcasts early. You'll get this podcast early. You could have listened to this already. Um, everybody's already listened to it on pa uh, Patreon. and um, It'll be released mastered on SoundCloud. You'll have it on YouTube, Twitch, live. Um, and then to support, we have the Patreon and PayPal as well. All the links are in the description. Remember, we cannot do this podcast without your support. Thank you. Five stars on iTunes. Follow, rate, share, subscribe. Do all the social media things, whatever you got to do. And uh, remember, if you aren't enjoying this, let me know how you let me know how I can improve. Thank you, and take it easy. Wow, I'm sorry. I completely forgot to mention Soul in this um, uh, list. I was just like, oh my goodness. Wow, yeah, I can't believe I did that. So. Soul would have actually, if I would have remembered to put it on the list, Soul would have gone between Tenet and Possessor at uh, one, two, three, four, five, number five. It would have been my number five movie. So, um, yeah, just keep that. You know, the, the lists are with a grain of salt. It's mostly just a list of, uh, oh, yeah, I liked it. Oh, yeah, not so hot on it. So um, nothing too crazy. Let me know what y'all's top ten was uh, of 2020, what movies you got to see documentaries streaming all of it counts because you know it's all just we're crossing the streams these days now it doesn't matter um you know what's a movie what's a documentary what's a streaming what's movies only so um yeah keep that uh in check and uh yeah let me know how i can improve and uh take it easy